Welcome to the Work Matters Podcast. In each episode, talking with thought leaders and executives, PurposeWorks founder Thomas Bertels explores what it takes to make work more productive, valuable, impactful, and meaningful. Let's begin the conversation. Welcome to the Work Matters podcast, uh, where we explore what leaders can do to make work more productive, valuable, meaningful, and impactful. Our topic today is corporate soul, and our guest is Ralph Specht. Uh, Ralph, after two decades with McKen Erickson in various executive roles, was a founding partner of Spark 44, which was an innovative industry-first joint venture with Jaguar Land Rover. And under his leadership, the venture grew to something like 1,200 people operating in 18 countries. Um, Ralph is the author of Building Corporate Soul, and he also developed the Soul System, which is a framework that powers culture and success for any business. Uh, he also wrote a second book, Beyond the Startup, that actually talks about the operational innovations that enabled Spark 44 to grow as rapidly as it did. So excited to have Ralph on the show today, and I love his, uh, his driving vision to make soulless companies a thing of the past. So Ralph, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Thomas. It's my pleasure to be with you today. You're on a mission to make soulless companies a thing of the past. Well, what is for you corporate soul, and, and, and why does it matter? Probably everybody on this call or on this on this podcast agrees to the fact that every every company has got a culture. You can't have a company without a culture, and probably also everybody agrees to the fact that if you have a great culture, it's better for business. Companies with soul differentiate from companies with just culture um, by one single fact: they have a, have achieved full integrity of words and actions. Um, and so any strategy conversation is not just uh, like empty words, but actually words with meaning and not just words with meaning on a PowerPoint slide or behind the receptionist's wall, um, but words with meaning that uh, actually impact everything, every behavior inside the company. And hence, um, the soul system which is the framework that you mentioned, uh, has got three parts, which is uh, at the heart, it's uh, the shared purpose. Um, the second level I call the shared understanding, which includes vision, mission, values, and spirit. And the third level is the shared behaviors. And the shared behaviors, obviously, well, they indicate whether everything that has been written and nicely thought of and debated and whatever is actually finding its way into the reality of the business. So your book is full of uh, interesting examples and case studies. And you also have the Soul Index. So what are some of your favorite examples in the research that you've done? As you quite rightly say, there's, there's, when I started to research um, on companies with Soul, I looked at two groups of companies, actually. I looked at companies that were not long ago startup companies. So they were founded probably in around the early 2000s. Uh, and I looked at legacy companies, companies, companies that had been around for ages and, and, and centuries in some cases. Both categories actually offer food for thought and, and, and uh, key learnings for uh, entrepreneurs and, and leaders to actually take on board and, and leverage for their activity. The one example, I think, um, of, the, of the first category, um, companies that were created in the, in the early 2000s, 
that I think is a real role model and probably the best example that I've seen of, um, well, the thoughtfulness that went into the um, strategic um, work, but then also applying that strategic work in the everyday behaviors is LinkedIn. Um, and, and I think what's especially cool about LinkedIn is uh, they have been able to actually maintain their culture, their soul, even uh, when they were acquired by Microsoft um, just a few years back. Their shared purpose is as straightforward as it can be because it just simply says to facilitate professional networking. So their mission is to connect the world's professionals to make them more productive and successful. And the values are, I think, a masterpiece in terms of values that are not just, again, very often empty words without meaning. Their values have the ability actually to strike a chord internally and externally. So they give a lot of direction to people inside the company. They've had seven values, members first. So it's a customer-centric organization. Relationships matter, of course. It's about professional networking. Then some attitudinal um, values, be open, be honest and constructive. But then it's about setting the bar high. They say demand excellence, take intelligent risks and act like an owner. So a very entrepreneurial approach to, to the company. I'm reading this to you now, but when you think about it, you are a new employee at LinkedIn and it's your day one. If these are clear to you before you get there, you will be positively surprised that it's actually happening. You started off by saying, you know, you looked at like both categories, right? So companies that just been around for 20 years, LinkedIn, right? And companies that have been around for a very long time. I can imagine that startups, right? They oftentimes carry the personality of the founder with them, right? I mean, think Jeff Bezos, right? Steve Jobs, right? These larger than life characters. So, so I think it's it's probably easier there that that kind of like the soul of the company probably has like some of the values that that might shape these entrepreneurs, but but what have you seen like with companies that've been around for a long time, right? Where that original founder is like you know long forgotten in some cases. Yeah, I mean everybody remembers Conrad Hilton, but uh, I mean that's been like more than a hundred years ago, and so Conrad Hilton's no longer alive, and the company has gone through bad times. So. Hilton's one example, one great example, I think, of a company that nearly went bust in the early 2000s. That place has changed significantly, and uh, Hilton has changed significantly. And, and uh, one of the reasons uh, they have changed significantly is because they have finally understood that they're in a service business, and it's it's, it's a people of it's a business of, of people serving people. And so, if you don't treat your people um, in a in a fair way, in a just way, then how can you expect them to be the best they can give to, to their guests? So they created this um, uh, hospitality for all, which looks into hospitality for their people. We all uh, use our frequent flyer miles to travel to great places. They can spend time in, in Hilton hotels wherever they want, whenever they want. There are no blackout periods. I never thought about staff rooms in a hotel. Because like you're getting in a hotel, there's, there's the lobby, there's the, the lounges, there's the bar, the restaurant, your guest rooms, and, and so on and so forth. So all of this is great, but for staff in a, in a hotel, it didn't used to be that great. And one of the things that um, Hilton Management decided very 
early on, like 2007, 8, 9, was to actually make sure that the staff experience, when they had a pause and, and when they had a, a time for a break, um, actually lived up to the guest experience. The, the staff lounges were improved significantly. And so that had an enormous effect because all of a sudden they just felt like we, people are taking care of us too as they're expecting us to take care of others. So Hilton is a great example. Lego is a great example too. A similar story. They lost their soul probably also in the early 2000s and, and, and uh, they brought in a, a non-family CEO for the very first time. Uh, one of the things that went wrong at Lego was the designers of Lego um, kits were actually not necessarily fans of Lego. So they, they might have been great designers, but they didn't really feel um, the power uh, that playing with Lego uh, actually provides. And he put the company on a, on a complete new mission and uh, making sure that, that everybody understood the uh, the power of Lego. And when you look at RepTrack, the uh, global re uh, reputation tracking, um, and, and Lego's been in, in the top 10 for the past 11 years, and it's probably, besides Walt Disney companies, they're the only two companies that made it to the top 10 every single year. Building corporate soul and, and, and building a culture that is uh, th thriving for all its stakeholders is, 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 is a marathon. and, and, and both Lego and Hilton have been doing that perfectly, I think. I was just thinking about my own uh, recent Lego store experience. My, my son is heavily into it. And, uh, and you're absolutely right. I remember talking to one of the employees there. It was very kind, walked me through the store, showed me some of the quite special things they have. And you realize that the people who work there really have a passion for the product. They're really, right? They're, they're, they're brickheads. So it's really fascinating to see. And the, the other thought, that came to me as I was listening to you is, I mean, what you're talking about is a little bit like in contradiction to like the textbook focus on shareholder value. Like you're talking about care for the employees, talk about connecting to the customer, right? So that, that's like a like a multi-stakeholder model there, right? That basically says it's not all about, you know, the Wall Street and, and, and the stock price, right? Which I think is really interesting. I think it's also really hard for leaders to do given like the quarterly pressures that they are under to, to produce those numbers. You've, you've quoted my, my vision statement to make solar companies a, a thing of the past, but there's also a mission statement. And the mission statement is to make the leadership behaviors which build soul synonymous with the behaviors which build success. When I looked at the companies um, during my research that qualified for being a, a good example for certain activities inside their firm that support the idea of, of, of building corporate soul. It was fascinating to see that all of these companies are successful. They might have had a face like Lego or Hilton of non-success, but um, they figured it out and came back stronger. The idea of you either have a great culture or you are successful, I think is the first mistake that people do. Obviously, when you build a company from scratch, it's always easier because you don't have uh, any legacies that you have to worry about and you can build and design it the way you want. If you have your house in order in terms of your, your corporate culture and you've got a fully committed staff and you've got uh, great relationships with uh, all stakeholders across the board and you're managing your communities well and you, you, you're dealing um, in, a, in, a, in, a, 
in good way with your suppliers and 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 uh, taking care of of your customers unless you've got a product that is kind of outdated you will be doing well or a service that is outdated so i think there's never been a better time to 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 start looking at it as is today i mean the book contains the sold index which is a, a performance ranking of companies that actually uh, put employee um, engagement and satisfaction um, first or very high. And the index results uh, basically confirm that it pays off big time. So there's lots of tech companies in the, in, in, in the thing. So um, of the five years um, from 2016 to 2020, the, the index companies basically even outperformed NASDAQ by uh, nearly 20 percentage points over, over those, those five years, and obviously were four or five times higher than, than uh, S&P and Dow Jones. So if anybody says, well, I can't afford culture, then I'm just saying, well, probably you haven't looked at it carefully enough because it's not that you can't afford culture, you need culture, you need a strong culture, you need a thriving culture to actually um, survive in this workplace. And we're all talking about the talent war and, and, and talent is scarce and, and, and people resign. If you have a culture that sucks, um, one thing is for sure, you will have more people leaving uh, than you can, can find great new people to, to come on board. So it's actually a leverage, a lever um, for, uh, for great work. And there's this, this study from OC Tanner, which looked at what I call companies with soul, they call companies with a thriving culture and employees in these cultures are 13 times happier and the companies are, are twice as likely to, to have increased revenues. People have a less, three times less probability to experience uh, burnouts and the companies have a three times less uh, probability to face uh, uh, layoffs. So, I mean, you look at all these numbers and it's just like, yeah, why don't you get it? <laughs> Yeah. No, no, it's like, and it's very convincing, right? So, so Ralph, okay, I, I looked at the numbers, you convinced me, what do I do? Where do I start? I explained the, uh, the shared purpose, the shared understanding and the shared behaviors. And, and uh, if you take the shared purpose, for instance, and, and uh, what does it mean, right? Shared purpose is all about the being. And there's two questions, I think, that you need to ask yourself. And one is, you yourself, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Um, and then there's a second question, um, which goes beyond yourself, which is like, why are we here? Why are we doing this? And this is, um, this is a very simple question, and it's a very, very tough answer. Um, and I'm not sure everybody has got an answer for these simple questions. That's, I think, where everyone needs to start and um and that's a, a question related to me myself and the company why am i here why am i doing this so once you get clarity here and and, and i mean in in most cases you will have a leadership team so it's not just you it's a few of your colleagues and asking that question why am why are we here uh, and hearing all the answers and mapping the answers and um, starting to find out whether there is common ground or whether there is like a very dysfunctional connection in terms of, yeah, well, 
he's here for that, she's here for something else, and, and, and he doesn't even know yet. Starting a reflection process um, at the leadership team, I think, is the most uh, important, uh, important starting point. And once there is a bit of alignment and you start to craft that kind of shared purpose statement uh, that makes everybody feel like, well, yeah, actually, that's why I'm here. And I think you've taken a, a great first step. And as per the LinkedIn example, you look at vision, mission, values, and and spirit. Um, we're talking about the shared understanding, <clears throat> and the shared understanding is about believing, right? So shared purpose was about being. Shared pur- shared understanding is about believing. There's two questions again that you need to ask yourself. So what do we believe in? Do we believe in that shared purpose? Do we believe in that vision and, and that vision and the values and the spirit? And if so. Congratulations. How do we shape belief in others? Right? I mean, it's great that we all think this is the greatest thing since bread came sliced, but actually, it doesn't mean anything if uh, you're not able to make sure that others like to follow you. So, to a degree, is a bit of a missionary thing. Um, that's why it's called believing. Um, but belief is, is ultimately powerful. I mean, we all know this. I mean, when, when, when people believe in something, they can, they can move mountains and, 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 and nothing really gets in the way. And so once the being and believing are sorted, we get to the belonging. And I mean, there was this the McKinsey study last October about why people are leaving the companies in spades. And, and the number one reason why employees were leaving was they didn't feel any sense of belonging. So belonging is the critical glue for everything. And um, again, two questions. One, what does it feel like to belong here? Goes back to the spirit. And how do we want the culture to be? So how does it feel like? What does it feel like to belong here? And then once you're clear about that, so you get the desired state, the big question for every leader, that's like team leaders and everybody, is how do we create belonging for others? How can we make sure the others actually feel the same sense of belonging? And if you get people that feel that sense of belonging, they're not going to go easily and, 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 and just resign because everybody's resigning and, yeah, I don't like it anymore. I think there's, you get a sense of commitment. And I've always been saying that commitment is, is one of the most undervalued resources a company has. Because if you've got a colleague or, or people on your team that fully live the purpose of your company, I mean, that's the best thing you can have. When we were uh, building Spark 44 and, 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 and grew to the extent that you talked about, and, and when I left or stepped down as, as CEO, I, I received that, those, those, those massive messages from my colleagues. Um, that inspired actually me writing the book, Building Corporate Soul. And then the, the, the red thread in these messages was um, twofold. One is, um, I've never worked for a company with a stronger culture than this one. And, and number two um, was about my role as a leader to many of them. And, and they said, well, you saw things in me that uh, I never thought I would be able to accomplish. But you trusted me to do that, and actually, I'm proud of what I achieved. And and uh, without you trusting me, I would have never dared to do it. So that trust um, uh, is is really 
um, a, a critical thing. I mean, as a leader, you need to be able to recognize the abilities of your people. And my experience is more often than not, people are capable of much more than they think what they're capable uh, of. But you got to uh, look at them with open eyes and open ears and see what they are able to do and connect that with the tasks that you think need to get done. And um, if I look back, I'd say, well, the, the, the ratio of uh, uh, when it worked out to when it didn't was probably nine to one. Um, so, and, and, and the nine that succeeded, it's most of the time been a big surprise to those guys uh, because they felt they weren't up for it or they weren't ready for it. Um, but trusting people and, and giving them the, the sense that they, that they are up to it and they can deliver it. Uh, sometimes even as a leader, you, you experience uh, results that you didn't expect in a positive way. And that's, that's the most rewarding thing. Really appreciate the conversation and, and you're sharing your insights into right, how do you build organizations that have sold. Um, I love the framework, but what I like even more are those questions that you walked us through, starting with purpose. And, and you know, I think those are, I think, very helpful for anybody to go through. And and to your point, right, start engaging the organization. This is not something you can do in a conference room to the organization and say, here's our purpose and vision, right? Go force and multiply, right? So. I uh, really appreciate you sharing that. Where should people go if they want to learn more about the soul system and your work? Besides, obviously, buying the book, uh, which I know is on Amazon, right? But uh, where, where do they go? There's a dedicated website, uh, which is called uh, buildingcorporatesoul.com. And so on that website, there's, there's um, some initial... Um, information about the soul system, uh, the context. You can sign up for a newsletter and you get a, get a, get a sample chapter um, for free so that you can uh, take an initial read. There's a test actually on the, on the site that you can do um, to check whether your company's got soul. Um, and uh, there's, I think, 12 or 13 questions about the, the various elements of, of the soul system and how your company um, performs uh, in relation to those. There's also, uh, for those that are interested, um, uh, a section uh, which is called the Soul Experience, which is about um, the consulting that uh, some great colleagues of mine are, are uh, offering uh, and, and a set of seminars that people can book, uh, which are going to be hybrid uh, so that uh, and, and all virtual um, to participate actually in in. Uh, understanding the leadership behaviors that build soul and, and how to do that uh, when you're running a company or, or leading a team. Wonderful. Again, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate you having you on the podcast. And for our listeners also, don't forget to check out the other episodes of the Work Matters podcast and please subscribe so you never miss one. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe, like, share, or comment. Until next time, let's make work matter.